This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. We are so glad to have you here. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. One of the other shows that I personally host is called I'll Have Another with Lindsay Hine, and that is a show where I interview professional runners and sometimes everyday runners as well. So if you're into the running thing, go check it out. On this podcast, I talk to experts and everyday parents and hope to bring you encouragement and some relatability to the ups and downs of parenting. And mostly, I just hope you know that with whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through in your parenting journey, you are not alone. Someone has been through what you've been through. So today's episode is episode 78, and my guest is Lindsay One. This is an incredible human being that I am so excited to introduce you to her. Lindsay is the founder of Boxes of Love, which is a grassroots effort to provide babies and children entering foster care from local hospitals with a large box of new clothing, pajamas, shoes, and other comfort items to call their own. Okay, so Lindsay is a pediatric nurse and she saw a shocking number of babies and children who would enter the foster care system with nothing but the clothes on their backs. And so after adopting her own son, who she and her husband fostered for two years, Lindsay knew she had to do something to change the way so many children enter the foster care system. This is where this amazing nonprofit organization started. Lindsay's going to talk to us about being a foster parent, adopting her son, and what Boxes of Love means to her and who they're helping in their local community. Lindsay is still a nurse and she is running this nonprofit. It's a labor of love for her. She's just running this with her whole heart. And she has encouraged me in this episode to get involved, do something that feels important, do something that feels right, and not delay. I hope you feel that from her as well. Every single one of us can make an impact. And it doesn't have to be starting a big nonprofit like Lindsay. It doesn't have to be something like that. But we can do something that will bring purpose to our lives. I think that's what we're all looking for. That's what I'm looking for every day. A a purpose, a bigger purpose. And so this episode inspired me and I believe it's going to inspire you as well. Definitely sync up with Lindsay and let her know if you've been moved by this episode today. You can find Boxes of Love on Instagram. It's Boxes of Love Project over there. And I want to just give a shout out. Thank you, Ashley DeSano, for suggesting Lindsay for the podcast. I know Ashley from my running podcast and things that I do with that. And I was looking for guests for the Illuminate podcast, actually, which is another show that we have several hosts on and I host every so often, like once every five weeks. And I was looking for guests that had inspiring stories for the Illuminate podcast and Ashley suggested Lindsay. But when I recorded the episode, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get this in front of my Why Is Everyone Yelling audience as well because it's just too good. It just checks the Illuminate box and the Why Is Everyone Yelling box. So thank you, Ashley, for suggesting Lindsay for the podcast. All right, friends, if you love this show, share it with your friends. Share it with your community that is in this parenting thing or anybody helping raise kids because, man, I hope that we can get this podcast in more ears so that we can be an encouragement to more people in this world. So sharing it, leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify, those are huge ways you can help grow this show. Uh, I thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you're here. And please enjoy my conversation with Lindsay One. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Lindsay One on the show. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I'm inspired by your story. Uh, Let's just 
catch the listeners up a little bit about who you are. You live in Portland with your husband and your two kids, right? Yep. Yep. And mm-hmm. you're a nurse by trade and you've founded this amazing nonprofit called Boxes of Love. So maybe just share with us a little bit about your story to becoming a nurse first. Yeah. So um, I became a nurse. Uh, well, gosh, I think I'm entering my 18th year. So um, about 18 years ago, became a nurse and um, always knew I wanted to do pediatrics. There wasn't ever really a question in my mind. And so I um, ended up getting the job that I, the number one job that I wanted and um, had got a job at a children's hospital and actually ended up meeting my husband there. He's also a nurse there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So met there and um, ended up obviously getting married. We tried for a long time to get pregnant and had a lot of struggles, um, had to do some fertility stuff and took a really, really long time, but did end up having um, our first son. And after he was a couple of years old and we decided we wanted another um, kiddo, we kind of tried again and just were not having any luck. And we thought, well, let's just change gears for a minute. And we both had experience, lots of experience seeing babies and kids come into the hospital on their way to foster care. And so those situations are either a baby's born to a mom who um, is struggling with drug addiction, mental illness, there's, you know, abuse in the home, something like that. So those babies are born and then immediately DHS takes, um, takes control of the baby. And then the baby's usually in the NICU before being placed in a foster home or the other situation, which we, I saw more just because I worked on the pediatric floor are children coming in for severe abuse, severe malnutrition, neglect, like the worst of the worst stories that you could think of. And they are removed from their home, but they need hospital treatment. So then they come to the hospital and we do whatever they need to get them better. And then they move on to a foster home. So we were seeing this on a, on a very regular basis. And we thought, well, maybe we could be foster parents. Like we really didn't have any idea what all that entailed, but we thought, well, sure, let's try it. We have the room in our home. We want to love a child and we have the medical background. So let's do it. So very, very, very long story short, we, uh, did all the process to get certified. It took, um, it took like six to nine months, I believe, to get fully certified. And our paperwork was like completed on a Monday and they called Wednesday and said, could you pick up a baby tomorrow? Oh my gosh. (laughs) We were like, uh, okay. So we were thrown in very quickly and we, um, brought home a baby and, this is kind of like the very long story short part, but we fostered him, um, for almost two years. Wow. And, um, it, there were lots of ups and downs and we had visits with, um, his biological dad who, um, was trying to work to get him. His mom at the time that we had him was in prison the whole time. So we didn't have visits with her. And anyway, the dad realized that he just wasn't going to be able to raise him, which, truly was the best decision for him. And so right before he turned to, we were able to officially adopt him. So that's our second, that's our second son. And we adopted him. And then my husband and I talked and he was, he felt very strongly at that point that we were not going to foster anymore just because it was a very, um, it was just a, it was a hard journey. It's, it's emotional. It is, um, you're kind of at the mercy of DHS. They make the decisions, even though you are essentially the parent of the child and those decisions don't always line up to what you think is best for the child. So it, it's, it's hard. It is, it is a hard job. Um, and we just, he just, we decided together that that wasn't going to be what we were going to do, but I just felt really, really strongly that it wasn't the end of my story with foster care. I just felt this need to do more like it wasn't I wasn't done with it and so I just kind of sat and thought for a long time like what could I do you know just me one person and there's a lot of things that I think need to be reworked and revamped in the foster care system but 
at the time and when I started it, it's like I'm one person and I don't I don't really have time right now to like change legislation. And, right. You know, do that kind of stuff. So I thought, well, going back to these kids and babies in the hospital, they come in and they usually just have the clothes on their back. Right. They're removed um, in usually an urgent manner or the babies are just, you know, born and stay there and they don't have all their things. They don't have clean clothes to put on. They don't have their favorite stuffed animal. They don't have a toothbrush. They don't have, they don't have usually anything. And I just would think how terrifying that would be. First of all, you're removed from the only family, you know, you're in a hospital with strange people and you have none of your things. You don't know what's going to happen to you. So I thought, well, maybe that's something I could change. And I had this idea of making a, a big box full of things that this child could have, um, you know, to, to have and to take with them wherever they ended up going. And so I kind of put this plea out there on Facebook and, you know, social media is, is both a curse and a blessing, but it, it, it took over and took off and people started donating stuff. And so this was back in 2014 and here we are this far later, we've now given out 800 and almost 50 boxes of love. And it's just, it's really just taken off and become this a real thing it's sometimes I just am still in in shock that I've actually created a like a legitimate nonprofit organization where people give money and and we you know we're doing this thing that I imagined so that is sort of the the basis of how it started that's so cool um yeah I love your sentiments on like I'm done with this part of what I'm gonna do with foster care but that doesn't mean I can't do something else. Cause I think people yep. get super overwhelmed by that notion. Like I don't think my family can handle fostering, but there are other ways to support the foster care system. Absolutely. And you know, we, I tell people that all the time because yes, no, not everyone can be a foster parent. That's, that's a fact and that's okay. But everyone can do something. Literally everyone can do something. Even, it, I say even, it, it can be as small as sharing the Boxes of Love website with somebody. Right. Like everybody can do something. You can tell our story because you might tell our story to someone who's like, oh, I've been looking for a place to donate, you know, or whatever. Like that's free. That doesn't cost any money. So you can do that all the way up to you know, donating money, donating items, donating your time, driving, delivering boxes for us all the way up to yes, being a foster parent. But yeah, there's just this huge, um, continuum of ways that you can help that, that go far beyond just being a foster parent. And, and so I just always encourage people, even if you don't have money, even if you don't have, you know, the means to be a foster family, you, there are ways you can help. What was the hardest part of fostering? It's a big question, I know. <laughs> that is a, that's a big question. Um, but it's an important question. And, you know, I'm, I, I like to be really honest about it. A lot of people say, I hear this so, so often, I could never be a foster parent because I would get too attached. Mm -hmm. And my response to that is, that is exactly what should happen you should get too attached in quotation marks to these kids because we want children in foster care to go to a family where they are loved as if they were that family's own child, right? We don't want a foster child to go to a family where there's this distance. Like I'm mm -hmm. not going to get attached to you because it's going to be too hard. If for you me. Leave. Yeah. It's going to be too hard for me. Exactly. And but it is hard. I mean, it is hard. I think, um, I think it's especially hard when you get an infant mm -hmm. and you are the only parent that that infant has ever known. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many different situations and it's much different when you, let's say, have an eight-year-old child come into your home who, even though that child is in maybe a really bad situation, that child is still with its parents. Mm -hmm. That child is with, you know, they still love their parents. Those are the, the only people that they know. So they come to a foster home. It's like they still have that relationship with their parents. 
Um, with an infant, it's like you're the only parent this baby's ever known. And so, of course, that baby comes to our home and, you know, we're instantly in love with him and and are raising him like our own child, which is, again, what you should do. So there were times when it was a very real possibility that he was going to leave our home after 18 months. And thinking about that at times brought me to my knees, to be honest, because it was just like thinking of what that was going to do to me, thinking of him being afraid. Um, But I would just go back to the ultimate goal of foster care at all times is reunification Mm -hmm. with the biological family. Whether you agree with that or not, as a foster parent, that is the goal. So you have to go into it knowing that, you know, that knowing that that is the goal is to get this child back with their biological family. But it's hard. It is it is hard and it will break your heart. It can break your heart. But you you just have to know that, you know, I just would tell myself constantly that we gave him, if he was going to leave our home, we gave him the best start in life that we possibly could. You know, we taught him that his needs would be met. We taught him how to love and how to trust us and, you know, how to be in a family. And I just kind of had to, to trust that it wasn't easy. You know, I'm not going to lie and say it was, yeah, it was totally fine. Cause, cause it's hard when you think about this baby that you have raised leaving, but ultimately that is the goal. And we knew that. And if he did leave, I just had to know that that was, that was the plan for him and that we did the, the best we could. Um, ultimately for us, it worked out differently and he ended up staying with us, but that's just my biggest thing to a potential foster family is we want you to get too attached. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not about you, even though it feels that way. Cause you are making a huge sacrifice. You are investing so much into this child. So it is a little bit about you, but ultimately it's about this child and what, what better gift could you give a child than to love them unconditionally and be too attached? Like that's what they need. Yeah, I've seen, um, I don't know if it's shirts or I've seen something that says like get too attached or yeah, is that a thing? I think so. Yeah. I, I've kind of seen that too. And yeah, because it's just I, there, I feel like there's so many amazing people and families out there who could potentially be foster families. But this, this notion of, oh, I would get too attached would be so hard for me, you know, prevents people from doing that. Um, which is unfortunate because again, like I said, that that's what they need. They need you to be too attached. They need you to love them like they're your own child and to be devastated if they leave to be devastated, but also rejoice in the fact that they, you know, get to be reunified and that that would, you know, be a success story. Tell us about the day that you were able to adopt your son. Oh, it's like one of my favorite days. You know, it in foster care, <laughs> um, things are ever changing. You can be told something one day and the plan completely switches the next day, right? So you're, you are kind of always holding your breath, like waiting for the shoe to drop. And, and you don't really, not, I don't want to say you don't believe things, but you just, you don't plan you, until it's like happening <laughs> just because it changes so often. And so we, we found out that his um, biological father was going to relinquish his rights, his parental rights a few months before we actually adopted him. But again, it was like, we got that piece of news and I felt, you know, this, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's really weird and interesting in foster care because while of course I was like, overjoyed that we were going to get to adopt him there's also this really sad part you know Mm -hmm. you think like this person is is signing away the rights to their child Mm -hmm. and the mom was also going to have to do the same thing from prison um which is where she was at the time and even though I knew it was best for him to be here with us there's this part of me that was just like devastated Mm -hmm. thinking like you know putting myself in those shoes, like, could you, you know, sign away the rights to your child because you know 
that you can't raise them right now. And that's just, you know, heartbreaking part. And luckily in our situation, our son didn't know any of that. He didn't, you know, he didn't know that, but, but again, with a lot of older kids, it's, that's a huge piece of it because while they might end up being adopted and that's a great situation and both child and, and adoptive family are, are happy about it. There is still a huge loss, you know, and especially for kids who are older and who grew up with their parents, their biological parents and and know them and have relationships that that is just a big piece of it. So there was mixed emotions, um, of course, just thinking about about his biological family and how, you know, that would impact them for the rest of their lives. But of course, I was also, you know, overjoyed because we had raised this baby. He was our son. I mean, he was exactly the same as our biological son. And so uh, anyway, back to my thing, though, we we were told it was going to happen, but I was like, oh, I'm not holding my breath until like (laughs) it happens because I know things can change. And it took about four or five months from when we were told his dad was going to relinquish the rights to actually like having a day on the calendar. And, um, you know, I was just waiting for something, (laughs) someone to call me just joking. Something happened. Um, So I was very hesitant and nervous up to that day. And then um, on the actual adoption day, it was just for people who've never been to an adoption ceremony, it's it's just like the happiest moment because, you know, people give birth and that is like obviously a super happy moment. It's undescribable. Um, The adoption day was just so beautiful and something I'll never forget because every single person in that room, you know, we had friends and family, um, lawyers and his advocates and all of these people are there, you know, for him. And they are just all overjoyed that this is happening. And it it was so nice to just have that support. I mean, the judge, you know, gave him a, a teddy bear and just talked about how happy she was that this was his story. And, I mean, he was only two. He didn't know what was really going on, but just to have all these people there for him and um, there to acknowledge him. Because the thing with a lot of babies born into foster care in particular is like they're born and there's generally a lot of times there's not a baby shower. They don't come home to like big stocks nurseries. They don't have that kind of grand entrance into the world that a lot of babies do, right? Because they're often born into turmoil or, you know, just situations that are stressful and and not going well. And so they, the babies kind of miss out on that sort of grand entrance into the world with all this support and people coming to visit and bringing gifts and food and all these things. And so to have this adoption ceremony, I felt like all these people around him just for him saying, you know, we love you and we're your family and we're all here for you for the rest of your life um, was just super, super special. Hey, everybody, a quick break here. Finding a doctor and booking a doctor who's right for you doesn't need to be a terrible experience. Will they take your insurance, understand your needs, or be available when you can see them? With ZocDoc, the answer can be refreshingly pain-free. Yes. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. You can go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit. And just like that, you're booked. Go to ZocDoc.com slash yelling and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash yelling. ZocDoc.com slash yelling. What is life like now? <laughs> life is crazy. Like we were just saying, you've got the four boys. I've only got two, but um, you know, we just, it's just a normal life. Um, 
other than the fact that I <laughs> am a little bit overwhelmed at times because I do still work as a nurse. I have two boys. I'm a, a wife. Um, and then I run this nonprofit organization. And so it's crazy at times, but, um, but I love it. And, and this is like know, passion project for you. Like you're, passion. you're running this salary free. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which is like um, a big thing to note. I mean, this is a good percentage of your life. Yeah, it, it is. And people all the time are like, how do you do this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I just like, I just do, but yeah, I, I still nursing to pay the bills, nursing to pay the bills. Um, and then at the boxes of love building, whenever I have, you know, free time, I do have volunteers who are lovely and That's wonderful, awesome. but yeah, we don't have any, um, no paid employees. Everyone is just giving of their time. And there's, there are times when I'm overwhelmed and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> like, what have I started? <laughs> Can I keep doing this? But then it evens out. And it's just, for me, when I go into the building and I'm doing stuff, it's, it's almost like stress relief for me. It's just, um, I don't know, it's just peaceful and, you know, folding clothes, baby clothes and kids clothes and organizing and packing these boxes and, and just realizing what it means to both the kids and the foster families that are mm-hmm. receiving them, um, always gives me the boost to like, get over the, the stress. If there's stress there, you know, it's just like, okay, I, go in and I'm like, Hey, this is what needs to be done. This is how we're going to do it. And, you know, just keep going and keep, keep moving forward. But yeah, it's definitely a labor of love, but I love it. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, why I keep doing it. The notes and emails that I receive from foster families, um, are just so touching and, and are the reason that we keep going because, you can just see and feel how meaningful these boxes are. You know, we give them out and don't often hear back, but when we do hear back, it's just like, okay, this is, we're doing the right thing. This is, this is why, this is exactly why I started this project is for these kids to feel, make sure that they feel loved and make sure that they feel like they matter and that, you know, they're not defined by their circumstance that, they can go on and do and be great things. Um, and that this stuff is theirs and it is theirs to do what they want with. And, you know, it, it, it matters. And the notes that we get from foster parents telling us how the boxes are impacting the kids is are they just, they speak volumes, I guess. Um, and the other piece of it that I didn't really when I first started the project, I was very um, sort of tunnel vision, like this is for the kids, which it very much is like, but that was kind of like my, my vision. This is for the kids. It's for them, you know, to have all this new and everything in our boxes is new. Um, And that's, that's um, intentional because a, we just think that they deserve it. They deserve to have new things. Um, And a lot of resources out there for foster kids tend to be used things, which is okay. I, I'm not opposed to use things, but we just really felt like a huge box valued at over $500 worth of things. Um, they deserve it. And it's, you know, for some of these kids, honestly, I had one kiddo who, who was able to articulate to his foster family that he never received anything new in his life. And so this box of stuff was, you know, super, super meaningful. But uh, anyway, as as I was doing the project, I started to see as well how impactful the boxes were to the foster families, because many of these people are saying yes and opening their doors to a child with maybe a few hours notice, maybe up to a day or two, sometimes in the middle of the night, you know, a police officer is dropping a child off at their door. And so they have just said like this, these boxes just have, are so helpful because they eliminate like immediately needing to run to Target and grab, you know, bottles and bibs and outfits and diapers um, or for the bigger kids, you know, just going to get some clothes, like the boxes, you've got everything you need for, for those first few days in foster care in a lot of these boxes. So that piece 
it wasn't surprising, I guess, because I, I was a foster parent and I knew that these kids come with nothing and I knew I just wasn't quite as focused on that. But I, but now we you know understand that it's it's super helpful for the foster families as well. And we stick a little um, we have this have this awesome partnership with BlackRock Coffee and they give us free drink coupons for the foster parents. Oh, and that's so, so nice. Yeah, we just stick a little handwritten note in there to the foster parents with a couple free drinks just saying like we know this is a hard job and you can often feel alone and we just want you to know we see you and appreciate you and go get a, a treat and and remember that you have a community of people that that support you because you know what I've learned in in this is if we don't take care of our foster families as well they won't keep doing it mm-hmm. and we won't have any foster families for these kids which is a huge crisis so we just like to let them know that they're not alone and we, you know, appreciate what they are doing as well. Yeah. I'm like emotional just thinking about opening that up and like seeing yeah. the coffee coupons and the handwritten yeah. note. Like I can't even imagine what that would mean. You know, I think, I think about purpose a lot and it's like sometimes I get busy with work and just like, what's my real purpose though? And I think that people struggle with that. You know, you go through day-to-day life like you're on a hamster wheel and what's the real purpose? And doing something like this, like to me, it sounds like you figured out what one of your biggest purposes in your life is. And that, as hard as you work, is a gift. Like, man, it's a gift to have a purpose so strong. So I wonder if you could just share with the listener just some words on how to find your purpose and and what that could mean to dig a little bit deeper. It's easy to keep going through the days and thinking, oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, this organization or this thing could use attention, but I'm going to keep recording my interviews and taking my kid to practice. It's like if we open up just a little bit of that door to something else, I just think that the benefits we will receive are just as strong as what we're giving. I could not agree with you more. Uh, Absolutely. I I agree with every single thing you said. And, you know, it's funny because so back when I, we had adopted our son and then I had this idea and I kind of just like kept talking about it and I would tell my husband about it and a couple of weeks went by and a couple of months and I just kept talking about it. And he's like, in a very, very nice way, he's like, well, when are you act? When why don't you just do it? When are you going to actually just do it? Because you just keep talking about it, <laughs> and it was like, it was kind of that push I needed. But I think a lot of people have these ideas, but you're it's scary. Like, what if I do this and it's a total failure? What if I do this and nobody helps me? What if you know? What if it doesn't work? And what I say to people is that I think that's okay. Even if you try something and it doesn't work, I think it's worth it to at least try it. Because in trying, you're going to at least gain some attention, I guess. And, you know, someone's going to hear about it. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a failure forever. Maybe that attempt just failed. Maybe you need to to revamp it or you need to, you know, reach out and get some more help or, or whatever. But it's it's mainly that taking that first step. And like my husband said, okay, stop talking about it and just do it. And it was like, okay. So like I wrote this Facebook thing and I hit post and I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. I what was it? it? What did, What was your first step? Like what was the post? What did it entail? It was just literally like, hey, you know, you guys know that we just adopted our son. My husband and our nurses, foster care, blah, blah, blah. I have this idea to make these boxes to give to kiddos. If you want to donate, bring me stuff for money. <laughs> and people just started doing it. And I was like, oh, like oh dropping it off on your front porch, dropping it off on my porch or bringing it to work, like nurses, you know, people bringing it to work. And um, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and see, that's the know, thing. I, people want to help, but they don't know uh, where to go to do that. that and you gave it, people the opportunity. That is exactly, I was like, just what I was going to say is that you know, there's a lot of people that want to help and they don't necessarily know what to do or where to go. But if you give people an outlet or a way to help, oftentimes you're going to see more support than you 
could imagine because people do want a way to help. And like you said, people are busy and it's like the grind. You've got kids and this and that, and we've been in this pandemic and, and all this stuff. But, but at the heart of it, people, most people still do want to help and they want to do good. And can most people stop and start a nonprofit? You know, no, but they want a way to make it an impact. And so by, by me taking that chance or someone else taking that chance, I think that you often find the support is out there because that was one of my fears. Like, what if nobody wants, what if nobody wants to help? But I think that by giving people a way to help that support just sort of starts to trickle in and then it starts to grow because people, you know, talk about it and share it. And, you know, things look very different now than they did in the beginning. You know, we have, things have changed. And I mean, this project started, literally started with bins lining my bedroom and then it overtook that. And then it went into our garage and it overtook our garage. And then we had to, you know, find a place. And now we have a real building with, you know, a storefront. And so obviously things have evolved immensely since we started, but I just... I go to a um, an elementary school every year when they talk about being um, they have a unit on like community helpers and and making change and I love going to the school and it's always their fourth graders and I talk about what I've done and they ask questions and it's really fun and what I always tell them is if I can do this honestly if I can do this anyone can do something like this I don't I don't have a business degree I my background is like medical like you know, I do that kind of stuff. I don't do this, but I just tell them, like, if you guys have an idea for something, if you see something that you feel like this is not okay, I want this to change. Like whether it's, you know, homelessness or pets or, you know, anything that you feel like this is not okay. I don't like the way this is happening. I don't like what is happening. You have the opportunity to make change. Every single person has the opportunity. Now, does it take time and effort and a lot of hard work? Yeah, it does. But if you want to commit to doing that, you can make change. And I always tell them, you guys are kids. And I know sometimes it feels like, well, what can we do? We're just kids. But, you know, even kids can make big change. So I I echo that same sentiment to adults. Like if you're feeling like, gosh, I don't like how this is happening or I don't like whatever, and you want to make change, if you have the time to to put into it, go for it. Because most likely it's going to gain some traction and you're going to get some attention and some support and and you can go and, and make try to make that change, whatever it is. But like you said, for the people who don't, aren't able to do that or don't want to do that, I mean, not everybody wants to go start a nonprofit. I get that. But find that place that you can give whatever, your time, your money, um, find that place that matters to you and, and start giving whatever that, whatever that may be. Because like you said, in giving, you're going to get back double or triple what you're giving. And what I like about, you know, our organization in particular is that I tell everyone who I have contact with who's giving, it's like those new clothes that you give are literally going to go straight into a box and go to a child like in our community. So it's, I think that's nice for people to know, especially locally when someone wants to support a local organization, it's nice for them to know like what you are giving is going straight back into these boxes. Other than, you know, we have a little bit of overhead just for running your building. Yeah. the, The things that you have to, you know, to, to do to run it. But everything you guys are giving is going straight back into this community. It could, it could literally be a child who lives on your street, you know, or a foster family who, who goes to your church or your kid's church or your kid's school. Um, so I just, I just encourage people. I was never really, I mean, we had a few places that like we gave to mm-hmm. before I started this, but I just really, like you said, I was a new mom and busy and, I just didn't think a lot about nonprofits and charities and giving. And once I started this, I had my eyes kind of open to a whole new, a new world. And like you said, there's so many people who want to give, they just don't really know where. And so giving them an opportunity has been a really special part 
of this that, you know, I've had volunteers who come and they stick around because they love what they're doing. They, it, it, it's meaningful to them to come and pack a box and know that it's going to a child in need or the person who comes and picks up the box and takes it to the foster home. Like they get to see that, you know, they get to see that initial response and that, that sticks with people. And that's why they keep, you know, they stick around with us and keep coming back to volunteer. And I saw it a lot, especially during COVID, you know, I was worried those two years just with everything going on that, you know, giving would be down. And um, of course, people lost jobs and everyone was in turmoil. But I actually saw donations increase because Mm -hmm. I think we were in this time of just uh, everyone was just in turmoil. And I think people just wanted to do something good. Mm -hmm. They wanted to feel Mm -hmm. good about something. And so they gave extra, you know, they sent monthly donations, they bought items off of our wish list. It just, I was really, really shocked in a good way to see that I think COVID, you know, kind of caused a little bit of an increase in giving because people were just at this place where they wanted to feel good about something. Um, So yeah, I, I just, I encourage anyone who feels like they want a bigger purpose to go and just find that thing. It doesn't necessarily mean starting your own it, but it maybe it's an hour a week that you go and you, you tangibly do something, you know, just to be a little bit more involved and see what the work is that these, that these groups are doing Um, or even just giving money. I mean, sometimes that sounds kind of, a little impersonal, but all of these organizations need money. They need money to keep running. I mean, it's just, it's just a fact. So even giving money is, is a super helpful way to, to be involved in an organization. And then, you know, you're honestly, every single person who donates money to us, I consider them part of our team. It's just like, I know it seems kind of funny, but I'm like, oh, we got a new team member. Like, I love that. Yeah. Even you give $5, you're part of our team. Like you are part of our mission. And so That would be my advice. Hey, everybody. A quick break here. I have a new sponsor that I'm so excited to tell you about. And we have a great discount code for you. Have you heard of Card My Yard? I know y'all have seen those big, fun bubble letter signs celebrating someone. A birthday, an anniversary. And I'm thrilled to share this woman-owned business with you. Card My Yard is the original franchise yard greeting service that has transformed how many of us celebrate occasions. You can honor a birthday, say thank you to a friend, celebrate someone just because they deserve it in a big, bold way with Card My Yard. Founded in Austin, Texas, Amy Arnold and Jessica Stanley, who are going to be on the podcast next week or the week after, started Card My Yard to spread joy and create a positive impact in communities nationwide. It is so easy to use Card My Yard. And what a fun way to celebrate someone you love, even if they don't live in your town. Is your mom or dad celebrating an anniversary? Do you have a niece or nephew in another state and you want to make them feel special? You can have a Card My Yard at their house, even if you don't live in the same town. I'm so excited to share. We have a discount code for our listeners. You can use the code CMY, the number five, Y. C-M-Y-5-Y. That's W-H-Y. Like, why is everyone yelling? C-M-Y-5-Y. And receive $5 off your next order when you purchase a birthday or saying anything greedy. Visit their website at cardmyyard.com. Again, that's cardmyyard.com. And listen, friends, I was just thinking about how much my kids would love this in the front yard and for neighbors to walk by and be able to shout out happy birthday. That's one of the things I love about Card My Yard so much is that it kind of brings the community in and your neighbors can make you feel special as well. Because otherwise, how the heck would your neighbor know that it was your seven-year-old son's birthday or whatever, you know? Um, and also, this the story behind Card My Yard is super inspiring. And um, I had the ladies on. They're going to be on the show in a couple weeks. And we talked about friendship because their business really started uh, from a place of friendship. And we talk about that in the episode. So anyway, go celebrate someone you love. Go to cardmyyard.com and use the code CMY5Y. That's CMY, the number five, and the word Y. 
Okay, friends, back to my conversation with Lindsay. I'm curious, do people reach out to you like, I want to do this in Dallas. I want to do this in Indianapolis. <laughs> and what is your response? That is a great question. And um, yes, we have a lot. Of, I actually was the first time I got one of those messages. I was so shocked. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, somebody wants somebody wants to do this in another town. And I was so um, flattered. And that, well, first of all, that has been so surprising to me because like I said, we're on in Oregon and I remember about a year in, we got this huge donation of pajamas from this little girl in New Jersey who Aww. had like the pajama tr- collection. And I was like, just stunned. Like, How'd she find out about you guys? Just um, our, like our website and social media. Somebody, you know, somebody knew. I was just floored that we, someone in New Jersey had heard about us and like, liked what we were doing. And so, yes, we have received lots of support from across the United States, which just still blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Um, but yeah, lots of requests for like, Hey, can I do this here? And you know, we, we are not big enough and I do not have the capacity to, um, like, how do you, what do you say? Franchise it? Well, that's what, to make us a franchise. I'm like, I, I don't have the, the bandwidth to do that right now. Um, but I just tell people like, you know, I am like, if you want to chat about this, it's, it's more in depth than just email conversation usually. And so, um, I've had several phone calls with groups and I just kind of give them the download of how we started. You know, I'm honest in that it, it's hard work. It's a lot of hard work. It's a slow process, but you know, here's the, here's the basic things you need. You need to have a space to store stuff. You need to kind of have a, it's nice to have a support base to start out with. So maybe a church or mm. some kind of a group where, you know, you have buy-in and, mm-hmm. and you're not starting just with nobody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's what you do. You just kind of got to start and then you got to get organized. And I, um, I don't let people use like our name. Boxes sure. Of love, yeah. It's like a trademark. Yeah. Pick another name and go for it. I mean, this is, the service is, is desperately needed. And so I just encourage anyone who wants to do something like that to do it, but just to know going in that it's not overnight, you know, it's, it's a long process, but it's well worth it. And, um, it's a great, if you want to want to do it, go for it. Okay. I'm like such a dreamer. I'm like dreaming for you. Um, <laughs> What if like a business person that had like a hefty financial investment came to you and they were like, hey, I want you to franchise this and I want to fund it. Would you do it? Oh, my gosh. That is such a good question. Because <laughs> I I'm thinking about um, I've read the founder of Charity Water. I read his book. Um, he had a kind of a situation at the beginning where he had this encounter and it was like he was unable to really like pay his employees what he wanted to pay them because he wanted all of the donations to go straight to the water projects. But at some point he had to pay his employees. So he had a big donor come in and say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to fund that employee salary thing. And like you're the roof over the head of your business so that everybody who donates a hundred dollars, $20 can know that their money is going to the waters. I don't, I mean, how does that happen? Like some millionaire that's just like, I really feel like giving. But I mean, it's almost like, man, that would be a gift, right? Well, that is funny that you say that because uh, literally all the time I have this conversation with people. And I'm like, well, I'm just waiting for someone with a million dollars to be like, hey, do you want a million dollars? And yeah. then I'd be like, yes. And then I can pay myself and I can pay my, I can have some employees and like, but like where, yeah, where does that person come yeah. from? Just I meet mean, them at a networking event or on an airplane. Totally. <laughs> totally. Let's just show up. But, um, you know, I never say never. And if someone came along and, and had that as, as an offer, it's something I would definitely consider. Again, like I said, I do not have a business background, so I would, you know, need people like they, they would, would need, need to, to fund people. the business person that's yes. gonna the person who is like an expert on this is yeah like this is a good idea or this is a bad idea but no I mean I, you know I thought about it I've even you know thought about just trying it you know within Oregon just since I'm here but it, it, it's a big you know it's a big undertaking and and does cost money you know and like I feel like I'm very much on the 
page of the guy you were just talking about because even for a long time I was like I don't I felt bad like paying rent because yeah. I'm like people are getting money sure and I'm using it for rent. I wanted like all the money to go to the boxes. And one day my sister was like, Lindsay, it's it's okay. She's like, nonprofit, it's okay for a nonprofit to pay rent. Like yeah. it's okay to to pay employees. Like it's oh, it's part of how it works. But in my mind, I just had this like, I can't, you know, use the money on anything but the boxes. But you know, you have to do that and it's okay to do that. But yeah, that would be that would be amazing. So Maybe someone will pop up. <laughs> yeah, if you if you're rich, if you have a rich uncle, guys or aunt or neighbor, send send yeah. the link. And and not to say that like what you're doing right there in in Oregon isn't like amazing enough. I just assume people are reaching out like I want to do this here and yeah, um, because it is it is so cool. Um, how would someone who wants to? I feel like it's a confusing process the foster care system to say the least and yeah. so even like as I've been on the website to like browse around like how would you even apply to be a foster parent I know you got to go through the classes all the things um but someone who is like I want to be a supporter and they don't know of an organization like box the boxes of love project that you have um like what would their first step be to support the system without actually fostering there's a lot of ways one of the so one one thing that I always tell people is super simple, and but you would have to you'd have to know somebody. But if you know of a foster family, let's say, let's start there. If you know a foster family, you're not going to be a foster parent yourself, but you want to help. Taking a meal to the foster family, especially if they're getting, you know, they've just gotten a new placement. Things are chaotic. There are doctor's appointments and court appointments and therapy appointments. You are busy. Taking a meal sending a Grubhub gift card, honestly, just acknowledging this new thing for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, we certainly did not take, you know, our son in and do this for any sort of attention, but I do remember that we took home a five-week-old infant who was withdrawing from drugs, who was extremely irritable. And my husband and I were both working full-time. Like we didn't take maternity leave and I still, I, I feel bad because I feel like I literally don't remember the first six months of his life because we were just exhausted and, you know, like just making it work, doing all these things. And again, I am not faulting anyone, but it was like, there was no meals dropped off. There was no baby shower. There was, we had our family who was amazing. Um, but it wasn't like people weren't dropping by meals. People weren't coming to visit the baby because it, it just was different. And so, I think these families oftentimes get um, forgotten a little bit. You know, they take in a child or a sibling set and that's a huge deal. Like their life has just shifted and changed. And so honestly, coming over and saying, I'm here to do a couple loads of laundry. You can't say no, you know, showing up and just, just offering your help, offering your support, acknowledging that they're doing something really amazing. Um, so that is my advice often when people know of a foster family or even just reaching out to people and saying, hey, I'd really like to do this for a foster family. Who knows somebody? Yeah. Most people are going to know somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing you can do is reach out to your local here in Oregon. It's called DHS, Department of Human Services. I think in other places might have different names, but reaching out to that to that your local branch of that and just saying, Hey, do you know of any organizations that support foster families or foster kids? I'm sure that they do. Um, and then just saying, does your branch, uh, have any needs? You know, a lot of times there's things like DHS, when a foster family has a visit or excuse me, when a foster child has a visit with bio family, a lot of times it takes place at the DHS office because they need to be supervised. And you could say, hey, can I drop off snacks for the visitation room so that, you know, they have snacks for when they're having visits with their family. Um, it's super small things that make a huge impact. So contacting your local DHS office, reaching out to foster families, um, even just doing maybe like a Google search in your area of foster family resource resources. Um, yeah, there could be a, an actual organization already. Yeah. Yeah. I know so many, you know, even just real small organizations, but that, that are there to help 
be a resource for foster families and for children in foster care. So good. Okay, Lindsay, we got to wrap up. But um, if people want to support Boxes of Love, they should go to... Uh, they can go to our website, which is www.boxesofloveproject.org. Okay. Project. Okay. That's got basically all of our information. We have a Facebook page and a, um, an Instagram page, which is more of just, you know, day-to-day stuff. But there's links for, you know, donating money. There's links to an Amazon wish list where we have mm-hmm. items of the month that you can order. They get sent directly to us. Oh, that's good. Um, that's cool. That, of- that makes it so easy. Super easy. You just, you know click a button and it comes straight to us. It's easy for you. It's easy for us. And I feel like, let me just really quickly, and I'm yeah. going to wrap up, but Go ahead. for for people who don't know or haven't seen, I, I don't feel like I ever really totally explained what, what was in the box of love, but it's a big, big, like 66 quart bin. And then what we do is the infant boxes have new clothes, zero to 24 months. So baby has stuff to grow into for up to two years. And then the top is just like, we call it a little baby shower in a box. It's got baby essentials, everything, bibs, diapers, burp cloths, toiletries, toys, pacifiers, all that stuff. Um, and then the boxes for older kids, we serve, we actually serve kids zero to 18. Um, and those boxes, we get a request from a social worker or a nurse, whoever with the child's clothing size, any specific likes or dislikes. Um, and then that child gets, about 15 outfits and pajamas in their current size. That's a lot. Yeah. Plus another 10 to 15 in the next size up so that they also have stuff to grow into. And then their boxes, their boxes often spill out into bags and stuff because it's just bigger. But then, you know, games, toys, books, any special, if they are, you know, into sports or whatever, we try to to really customize it and give them some extra fun stuff, plus a backpack and a duffel bag and whatever. So that's just so people kind of know what, what the box is. A lot of people th- are thinking like a shoe box, sure. but this is a little bit bigger and each box is valued between like five and $600. And like I said, it's all new and it belongs to the child. There's a note in the box that to the foster family that just says, if, if this child moves to a new foster home or moves back to bio family, please send everything with them. Mm. This belongs to them. And there's a little sticker on the top that says this box belongs to, and then they can fill in their name. So that's just gives people a little bit more of an idea yeah. of what is in the boxes. That's so special. Yeah. I'm sure there are like pieces in the, like a stuffy or, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that they all get a stuffed animal and a little, we call them a lovey. It's like the little, like a square piece of fabric yeah. with a little stuffed animal. And I just always think like, even when they've outgrown all the clothes in their box, like they have a few of these items that really can go with them, you know, wherever and offer a sense of security. And yeah, I took my stuffy, my favorite stuffy with me to college. I mean, I, think oh yeah. That, yeah. yeah. That, that's really special. Um, okay. Lindsay, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, that is a really hard question. I just would like to like have my life organized. <laughs> <laughs> not, constantly, not constantly feel like I have a running to do uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I would like to travel more, you know, like my kids are getting to the age where it's not, it's not as hard to take them on trips. And, um, I just have these, I see, you know, I look at bloggers who are like, oh, we, we just pulled our kids out of school and we just travel. <laughs> <laughs> like that would be really fun. But you must make also. a lot of money on your Instagram it, advertisements. It, it, <laughs> Exactly. Um, I would love to travel more with our kids as they get a little bit older and just see more of more of the country and the world. Yeah. Um, did you say your kids are nine and 11? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking to one of my neighbors about that this morning. I mean, I, my youngest is three, so we're still a little bit younger, younger, but three, five, seven and nine. And it's like, I feel like this is such a sweet spot because we're done with yes. diapers and potty training and all that and it's like we're not teenagers yet or even preteen just yet and it's just like there's just like there's a lot of independence but they still need you a lot so there's just like like such a sweet spot I I cannot agree with you more it's it's like they still you're not totally uncool yet yeah they still kind of want to be with you there's a little pushback but you know but yeah still just this, this perfect age for doing like family things where you know, you're not chasing them around. 
Totally. Which and I am chasing my little two around still, but I was more <laughs> gearing that towards my big two, my seven and nine year old. But yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so yeah, good. It's a, it's a fun age for sure. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Do you have time to read? <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I've switched to audiobooks because I do love to read and I was feeling really disappointed at yeah. like the lack of reading. Cause it, yeah, you know, or I lay down at night to read and I'm asleep in two seconds. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Um, the lies that bind. Okay. Um, uh, I felt, I don't often like share books, but after I read that one, I was like, everyone needs to read this. I felt like I knew the people in the book and I was legitimately sad when it was over. I was like, Oh, like I felt like I, lost my friends. I I don't think so, I've read that one. Okay. I'm excited read to read it. it. Okay. It's, it's really good. Oh, I am very excited. Is there a trip that you've taken with your boys and your husband that you recommend to the listeners? Well, I feel like we're lucky, super lucky to be on the West coast. Cause it's pretty, pretty close for us to go to Hawaii. Um, versus, oh, yeah. you know, from uh, on the East coast. Um, we went to Hawaii last year and it was, my husband and I had been before, but not with our boys. And they just, they loved it. They have not stopped talking about that trip since we got back. I don't know. It's just something about the Hawaiian air is magical. It just smells like beautiful flowers and it's kind of laid back. And I definitely, if you could get to Hawaii, I would, I would highly recommend it. Our kids loved it. We loved it. What part did you go to and did you stay at like a resort? We did. We went to Maui and we stayed at, um, it's called the Hanua Kai and okay. it's yeah, a resort. It has several pools and a water slide. And we it's actually like a kids ended up, program. I don't think they actually had a kids program, Okay, but, um, but I know a lot of them do. And we ended up actually being there at the same time as some friends and my sister and her family. Oh, and it, fun. Was just, it was just perfect. You know, there, but even if you got a condo, I mean, Honestly, I don't feel like you could go to a bad place in Hawaii. Like anywhere in Hawaii is perfect. We've also been to Kauai and loved that too. They're they're both just it's just like paradise. There's <laughs> something really special too about I mean, I guess there's something really special about going on a trip with just your family, but yeah. especially with kids, if like cousins can be there or like it just makes it that much more exciting. It totally does. Special for different just because reasons. There's you kind of have, you know, added playmates and it, it, I agree. It's, it's really nice to sometimes be just, just your family, but it's also way more fun when you have friends or cousins there. So yeah, it, it was such a nice trip. Um, all right. The last message, what is, or the last question, what is your last message to leave with our audience today? Well, I just want to thank everyone, first of all, for listening. Um, if you stuck with us this whole time, I just really appreciate that. And like you had kind of mentioned and I mentioned just I encourage everyone to find that thing or that place it it doesn't even have to be boxes of love I just you will get so much out of giving a, a little bit more of yourself to something else you know you'll get back more than what you give whether that's money whether that's your time whether that's buying an item and dropping it off whether that's setting up a collection drive for your organization. I just, I just encourage people to do that because we get so caught up in our day to day and we got to make money and we got to take care of our kids and our parents and go to sports and this and that. And you just, you get caught up in it. You can't, you can't help it. And everybody does, but if you can take a little bit of time to just say, Hey, what, what fills my cup? Mm. Do I, is it, do I care about, is it kids? Is it pets? Is it, whatever it may be, find that thing that really makes you passionate and that you feel strongly about and give just a little bit because I feel like you will, you will find that your life starts to become just a little bit more full when you know that you're doing something kind of bigger than yourself. I love that. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Lindsay, for sharing your story. We are so grateful you all are listening to this podcast. Give us a follow on social media. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling Over There? I am Lindsay Hines 626 personally on Instagram. Would love to connect with you. 
there as well. And you can find Lindsay's organization, Boxes of Love Project, on Instagram, Boxes of Love Project. If you do love this podcast, give us some love and share it with your people. Leave us a rating interview on iTunes. Leave us a rating. I guess you can't leave reviews on Spotify yet, but a rating would be helpful. Ratings and reviews are just a huge way you can just help grow this podcast for, you know, it's a free way you can help the show and support the show. And so I thank every single one of you who have already done so. Uh, All right, friends. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day and we're going to come back next week, next Tuesday with another great episode for you. Thanks for being here. Have a great day.